everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. Okay, welcome. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Close back. Uh, I have a sty. Clearly, I'm really healthy, and you have a great coach who is functioning like a dream. What is wrong with me? Say one thing after the next. Styes are really painful. It's really painful, and like I, I go, keep going to a pharmacy, hoping I'm going to find some like fly by the seat of my pants pharmacist who'll be like, "Oh yeah, here, have some eye drops," but they're all like, "There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do." Put a tea bag on your eye. I'm like, fuck. A tea bag. Give me some medicine. Are you going? Bye. Okay, bye. Um, okay. So thank you guys for being patient. I'm sorry. I'm such. I'm lit. You know what? This is my cursed round of the EC method. Like I was. I swear every week there's something new. I'm like, what is happening? It's life, isn't it? The cursed round. I don't even. I've lost track of what number round this is now. It's August. We go by names now, not numbers. <laughs> yeah, but we like transcend months. Yeah, shh. but it started in August. <laughs> now September. <Yeah. laughs> Fair. Fine, fine. Okay. Uh, thank you guys for being patient. I appreciate it. I know I'm having a bit of a shitter of a round, but you know, at least we're still going, and you're all doing really well. So that's what matters. We're moving. We're moving through it. Um. Okay, Kyla Ann, how strongly connected is calorie consumption with strength and at what calorie range? I.e., if I go from 1,800 to 2,000 calories, brackets, I have a hypertrophy goal, am I going to feel stronger? I also have a PT to train with at the gym. And last night, he said that he would like to see my calories go up. I'm currently on 1,800 in order to build my strength and my glutes. He wants me at 2,000 calories minimum. I'm five foot four and 54 kg. Thanks. Emma. So <clears throat> there is some correlation between the energy you take in and the strength that you can produce, but you saturate that response at some point. And having more and more calories won't just make you stronger, unfortunately. If you're under-fueling, then yeah, increasing your calories will improve your strength, will improve your ability to adapt to exercise, to your strength training, and then thus build strength. But, mm, I mean, and the other side of this is that weight moves weight. So I remember when I put on a shit ton of weight with my back, and actually my bench press went up massively. Now, obviously I wasn't doing any lower body, so I was only doing upper body, but I, my training was cut hugely. So it wasn't, I was definitely training less. The only real difference was that I weighed like considerably more and I could bench more, which you wouldn't really in your head think, oh, it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense, but weight does move weight. So yeah, to an extent, but it would depend on your other goals. Like, are you happy to put on weight? Because yeah, generally if you put on weight, you'll probably be stronger. In fact, obese people are pretty damn strong because they've carried around a lot of weight for a very long time or potentially for a very long time. So yeah, like that is a factor. But if you want to stay lean-ish, 
or at least in a healthy weight range, then you probably don't, don't want to ramp up your calories too much. 2,000 calories for a woman, it was 54 kilograms. Yeah, five foot four, 54, lots of five fours. Yeah, maybe about that would be fine, depending again on how much activity you're doing, so how much expenditure you have, that might be a good place to go. I would, I would just say try it. Try it for a couple of weeks, see what your weight does, see what your performance does, see if you feel more fueled, and then if it works, it works. If it doesn't, we can cut it back down. Uh, but as I said, like there's a saturation point to that. And actually eating too much will make you feel more lethargic. Lethargic? Lethargic. Um, so yeah, your, what are your thoughts? Oh, such an interesting question. And there's so many layers to it. Um, the first thing I would say, well, okay, we'll do the easy couple of points first. First of all, you say in the thing in the in the question that your goal is hypertrophy. And 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 while we do talk about hypertrophy and strength working in tandem, of course, the stronger you get, the more your muscles grow, the more you train, the more you grow your muscles. Um and you know, obviously with hypertrophy, as you continue to grow your muscles, you're going to get stronger. But they're also different. They're different responses in the body and they they are they are I'm sorry, they're different training protocols. So to put nutrition aside for a second, they are. Um, you know, a hypertrophy is, is the growth of a muscle where strength actually is more correlated to your nervous system than anything else. Like that's where the adaptation starts. Um, and that's why, you know, with newbie games, you get you, it's it's kind of like um, like motor skills, like um, the response um, will occur really quickly uh, when you first start training. And a lot of it is well, yeah, a lot of it is to do with your central nervous system and subsequently your peripheral nervous system. So it's different it's a different thought process process in terms of programming. I would say if your goal is hypertrophy, then yes, we want you in a very slight calorie surplus, rare, like 5% is enough um, so that we can really help A, fuel your sessions, B, recover from your sessions and C, achieve muscle hypertrophy. Like that's, that's really important. With strength, I actually think, yes, of course, as Emma said, mass moves mass. So no, never forget that. You know, we talk about this all the time, the, the, the athletes with the most amount of lean muscle, oh, well, sorry, I should say of muscle mass or lean tissue in the world are um, sumo wrestlers. So that should tell you everything you need to know about strength. Um, but at the same time, while that's accurate to say that, and it is a consideration, at the same time, it's actually not super important that you really bump up your calories to achieve a strength goal, especially if you're uncomfortable getting gaining a significant amount of weight. Now, if you don't give a shit, if you're going to be one of those powerlifters or sumo wrestlers who's like, no, no, my goal in life is to be strong. Well, fuck yeah, let's pack on some pounds. Let's get you nice and strong. But I don't think as a woman, and you talk about hypertrophy being your goal, which is an aesthetic goal, that that is actually what you want. In which case, bumping up your calories to a crazy amount isn't actually that important. But as Emma said, it is still important in the context of we want you to be fueled for your session and we want you to be recovered from your session. Um, so, yeah, those are all my thoughts. <laughs> Sorry, I just I find, I think that was a really interesting question. You got my brain moving. Like, do you want to look like a sumo wrestler? <laughs> you don't need to go that far. But it is fair to say, like, if you're going to talk about increasing calories and in terms in the context of strength, that would be the goal to gain some to gain some weight to again yeah fuel your sessions recover from your sessions but yeah to move a fucking you know to 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 squat you know 200 kgs whatever like you know and if, if your goal is hypertrophy then like i say it's a consideration your calories but it's not the it's not the dominating factor in 
in your in your in in the results do you know what i was thinking about today i'm not really sure why exactly i was thinking about this but a lot of people put so much emphasis on protein intake to build muscle and yeah. I actually think that we kind of forget that like the dominant, by far the dominant thing here is the training stimulus. Like, yeah. yes, of course you need protein to then build the muscle. Like you need that. But what's way what's more important big... is the training stimulus or what's way more like potent is the training stimulus. So if you get that right, you can kind of get a lot wrong or not perfect anyway in your diet and still get excellent results. Like yeah. I've not noticed anything from dropping my protein intake, like quite drastic. I mean, like seventy to eighty grams of protein, which is like relatively low for a fifty-nine kilogram woman. Oh yeah, it is. I mean, still way above the recommended daily allowance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know the recommended daily allowance is shocking. Um, but you know, I completely agree with that. It is somebody asked me that on one of my Q and A's on Instagram the other day, which I was meant to do on the other day. <laughs> And then I just ended up playing with three kids in a pool all day instead. And then it expired and I felt really bad. Anyway. Babe, you know you can get them back. Huh? You know, if you go to archive and you go to your story, you can still swipe up. You can answer all the questions that have been asked. Can you? (gasps) I did not know this. I knew you could see them, but I didn't know you could still answer them. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Fine. Well then I'll just do it today. Um, I have so much work to do today, but it's fine. I'll do it. I'll do it later. Um, So... What was I saying? Yeah, so on my stories, somebody asked me that the other day. They said, what is the difference between um, successful, like, muscle hypertrophy and muscle protein synthesis? And I was like, well, the latter is part of the equation to achieve the former. So it's part of it, but it is not. they're not the same thing. Um, and Emma's completely right. The main thing that you want to be nailing if you have a hypertrophy goal is the training. And it's the, it's the same massively so for strength even more so I would say you know strength is a performance goal you know you talk about like endurance athletes and their vo2 max we can talk about calories and nutrition but the main adaptation and the main progression is going to occur when they start working on you know increasing the intensity or the distance the time whatever um it's the training especially with a performance goal and again this is what I mean about your your trainer I don't disagree with him you're you're small and you're light I don't disagree that you shouldn't increase your calories but there is a huge difference between a strength goal and a hypertrophy goal. But in my in my opinion, there is. And like I say, there, there are crossovers, but they're not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You would program very differently if someone was like, I'm going for a powerlifting meet and I want to be as strong as possible compared to if someone was like, yeah. I want to build as much muscle as possible and I'm going to go into bodybuilding. Like there's a big difference there. However, saying that, if you're anywhere in between those things and you're like, yeah, I want to build some strength, but I also want to get strong, then like the programming is somewhere in the middle there so that's basically what everyone has as programming yeah if you have an extreme goal either side then yeah your your training would be different but you can absolutely build strength and build muscle and they are very closely correlated as Chloe's saying like when you start you will have mostly neuro neurological adaptations which is essentially you recruiting the muscle the ability to recruit the muscle that you already have And then once you're a pretty decent lifter and you have those movement patterns and you can stimulate and recruit the muscle, then most of the strength that you're getting is from increased muscle mass. Like the increase in strength is is more directly correlated to increased muscle mass. Yeah. So to to give you an example, 
So if you look at like the research on like new big lifters that go into the gym, the, the first thing that happens is they get stronger, like I say, via the nervous system. Then what happens down the line is they grow muscle. And the same thing happens in reverse. If you take them away from the gym and you basically detrain them, the first thing that happens is the strength drops off because there's no there's no training stimulus. And later on, they start to lose muscle mass. So so they like I say, there are crossovers, but these are different these are different adaptations in the body and they happen very differently in the body. Actually, and you know what, while we're talking about this, if anybody on here has real strength goals, like as in like, no, I want to compete in a powerlifting meet, first of all, you need a really good coach. Um or like a really good someone who really programs this well and it has a lot of experience in this. Um but second of all, you need to flag that with Emma and I. Because I think there are a lot of people out there that think that like a lifting plan for muscle hypertrophy and a lifting plan for strength are the same thing, and they're just not. So, um, I loved that question. Yes, great okay. question. Yeah. I mean, we have spent, well, no, not that long, 10 minutes on it. Yeah. I mean, we had a long chat before we came on. We, we did have quite a long chat. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, Francis Allen, two questions. One. Does a Les Mills body pump class substitute as one of your workout sessions? Emma? No. Um, No, and I guess just to give that context, because I don't want to be like, no, they're not good. If you enjoy Les Mills, absolutely do it. It's exercise. It's great. We massively encourage any exercise that you enjoy. But it won't give the same stimulus as the training programs that we've programmed for you. And if you want to build muscle, if, if your goal is optimal body composition, that's what your programs are made for, optimal body composition, um, then I would be doing that as opposed to a Les Mills workout. If you're like, oh yeah, me and my friend like going to Les Mills once a week, great, like have that in for sure. And if you're still getting at least three of our workouts in, then fantastic. That's like a little bonus for you, brilliant. Um, but it, you won't get the same benefits if you're like, oh, I'm just gonna not do your workouts and just do Les Mills. No. I'm having this with one of my one-to-one clients at the moment. She's been with me for eight weeks, and she won't do my plan. We talked about it week one. I was like, she was like, I want like to look toned, which you know, in in our world means you want to build some muscle, lose some body fat, and you have a physique goal. So I was like, okay. And she's obsessed with the body coach. And I was like, okay, stop doing the body coach because it's like twenty lunges, twenty burpees, and like a squat. And I'm like, let's do mine. I'm like, okay, let's do my workouts instead. She's like, okay every check-in for eight weeks she's like i know you keep that if i have one if i have a golden i should do your, but i just love the body coach workouts to the point where this week i was like right fuck it you're only allowed to do body coach workouts from now on because she loves them and like she's just really into them she doesn't have any interest in doing my workouts she wants to do his and she enjoys them and it's like what? okay and now i've told her you know we've had the conversation she's still doing them that's it we're not even gonna have the conversation one more time like or if you love something, if you get a real kick out of it, whatever it is in life, as long as you're not hurting anyone else, don't ever stop doing it. Because those things are like, those are rare gems. Hold on tight to the gem of joy. Yeah, if you find something you enjoy, that's excellent. But I think the only time you have to call yourself out a little bit is if you're like, okay, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm not getting the results that I want. Why might that be? Like, what's the whole saying about like insanity is doing the same thing again and again and again without getting... This, you exactly. know, make, it's basically making the same mistakes again and again if you're looking yeah. for hypertrophy goals or body composition goals and you're not getting them and you've been consistent doing what you're doing for a period of time you probably need to change something nothing yeah. changes if nothing changes 
right? And like we, this is what we say all the time. There's a difference between like exercise, which is fucking fantastic. And if you love like exercise classes, like body pump, fine. And like training, which is essentially you are trying to get, you are going in with every workout trying to get to a goal. And I think some people find that really oppressive or at least at points. And I think some people find that really fun. So, yeah. That Um, is a very good way to distinguish it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because, let me just repeat myself for the thousandth time, we're all different. (laughs) Shock. Um, Oh, I had such a debate with my mum yesterday. It very nearly ended in an argument, but it didn't. Because because she just kept using this term like classic English rose so well-mannered so polite to that and I was like look mom I'd get like the cultural romantic you know literature history of classic English rose but like it like I find it really annoying <laughs> she was basically putting one person on a pedestal saying that they were a classic English rose really well-mannered really polite da, 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 and putting another person like in the bin <laughs> in our family whatsapp group like cancelling them because they want like a classic english rose and i was like i'm finding this mildly offensive now please stop and we ended up getting into this whole debate and then it developed into like the word woke and i was just like (laughs) anyway that is interesting do you ever find that or do you ever think like someone who's always overly polite and overly nice like i find it really fake it's not even do you know what it is it's either it's either very green you know, like it's like a it's like a, how a, a young Weedon. person might want to conduct themselves publicly. And we were talking about two opposing female celebrities. Mm. Um, and and I and that's fine. Or it's fake. Or they're very well media trained. When we're talking about celebrity, media training is a fucking thing. <laughs> Failed miserably on me when I was on TV. <laughs> but don't you think like that is an element of like fake isn't the right word, but it, it's not no, real. It is, it's, yeah, it's display. It's a display. It's how you want people to see you. And then it's true that this is why me and my mum are like butting heads. So, and you get the people out there who aren't afraid to be like, well, actually, I don't like this. And this happened to me. And the women that do that in the public eye are considered devery, unpalatable, distasteful. Um, they get cancelled. Like I, We've seen it over and over and over again. And I just was, I was getting so wound up. But this is why I love my, this is why I love my mum. Like we have like proper full on debates and I kind of love it. Um, it always okay, I've completely segued. Oh, do you know what book I just um, downloaded to listen to? What? It's going to have to look now because I've forgotten the name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's called Women Don't Owe You Pretty, Florence Given. Yes. yes, I haven't read it, but my best friend, the psychologist, has, and she said that I need to, and it's incredible. So basically, I'm listening to two at the moment, which are complete opposites. The other one is called The Way of the Superior Man. And I feel like I feel like they're gonna be like the complete opposite sides. And then I'll be yeah. like, okay, now I know both sides. I can make my own decisions. I know. Thanks. Right. It's for Emma. See, I love that about you. That is how it should be done. <clears throat> okay, we've gone completely off track. <laughs> okay, right, bringing it back. Bring it back. Okay, Francis Allen. Will we have access to my PT Hub after the eight weeks are done, Emma? No, you won't have access to my beauty hub after the eight weeks are done. Unless you stay on as a grad, obvs. Obvs. 
Okay, Catware. Hi, both. I'm struggling and I need some advice. I'm away from home Monday to through Friday for the next eight weeks. I'm lucky in the fact that the place I'm staying has a gym on site and big grounds so I can get my steps and workouts in. The only issue is food. All my meals are provided for. Oh, why do they do that? All my meals are provided for and they're all horrid. Uh, I've had four days of eyeballing my meals, picking what I think is best, meat and veg, etc. But it's all guessing at my calories. Will this hinder my progress? What should I do to minimize the damage to my weight loss? Up my workouts, add in steps. Also, I have no access to a fridge or cooking facilities. What I can bring with me that is high in protein is bars as a potential meal replacement. Thank you. Um, okay, Kat, first of all, it's amazing that you're in a position where there's a gym and ground on site so you can nail your expenditure, which is fantastic. Second of all, it is, it is frustrating that the, the lack of control of having meals provided for you, I totally understand. Um, but actually, you say that you're you're making the best decisions that you can, you know, brackets, meat and veg, and you're eyeballing your calories. Will it hinder your progress? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. We frequently have clients for various reasons that I won't bog you down with to come away from tracking um, and go into eyeballing and making the best decisions that they can. And I've never had a client when all expenditure is equal. I've never had a client um, go go the other way. Yes, stalls might happen from time to time and then we reintroduce tracking, but I've never had a client all of a sudden start packing on the way. Um, it's highly unlikely that will happen, but it sounds like you're doing really well. And if you feel like you're not getting in like a serving of protein, you know, if at least three to four times a day, then have a bar. Yeah. But it sounds to me like you're going to be absolutely fine. Emma. Yeah. Or, yeah. or like have a shake if you're already having quite high calories, depending on what the foods is or what the options are. Um, I want to go in on this a little bit because we have another client in a similar position. And actually, I know we've got a couple of people who work on oil rigs who don't have like a choice yeah. over food. And it's more, well, I mean, there's a, just a limited choice. And when you don't have choice over what you can eat, you really just need to own what you can choose, which is how much you can eat. And it is a bit harder because when you do have choice, you're like, okay, what's going to fill me up? Oh, you know, if I'm trying to stick to my calories, maybe at lunch I have a massive salad because it's high in volume and high in protein. And it gives me more flexibility for later on in the day. You don't have like some of the choices that other people had, but you can absolutely still lose weight and it still comes back to energy balance. And I had a big long discussion with someone in the group about this, really stressing out about not knowing the numbers. The numbers actually aren't important. Like all you need to figure out is being in a deficit. You can do that via portion sizes. The reason that we use numbers is because it gives you more of like a, a figure to go from, basically somewhere to be consistent from which you can monitor and adapt. People lost weight before we had MyFitnessPal. Yeah. Like you don't need to track everything. It makes it a fair amount easier a lot of the time if you do, but you definitely don't need to. And actually, if you just take the pressure off a little bit and you're like, right, I'm trying to eat in a way that means I'm going to be in a deficit. Maybe that means that you eat three quarters of the normal portion that you're given and you leave a little bit. Like that will probably work. It can be as simple as that. You don't need to know the exact size of deficit you're in. And even when you are really fucking anal about all this stuff and try and track every single thing, you're still not accurate. Like you cannot be accurate. It's really freaking hard to be accurate. Food labels are inaccurate. We're very bad as people at being accurate in our tracking. My fitness pal has inaccuracies in it. The caloric availability of food isn't considered in these calculations. Like 
there are so many levels of inaccuracy that you don't need to stress out about the specific numbers. So basically don't, I think one of the things that's hampering people a little bit in these positions is that they're telling themselves, well, if I don't know the numbers, there's no point doing it. Or like, I can't possibly do it now. And it's more your psychology around it than the ability to lose weight, even if you don't have food um, options. And I'm not saying it's harder and I'm not saying it might, you might need a little bit more support and help from us, which we're here for, but you absolutely can do it. And in some ways, I wouldn't say it's easier, but there are some benefits to that as well, right? You probably have set meal times. You also don't have the choice of going out and buying a load of chocolate because every single meal is given to you. So you kind of like a lot of the choice has been taken away from you. Even if you just set a rule of, okay, I'm going to eat three quarters of these meals instead of all of them. Yeah. And as we know, choices has you know, kind of been our psychological downfall for obesity. So, yeah, Emma's right. But this is, again, why I'm always like, you know, everyone's always like, oh, you shouldn't give people examples of what to eat. You shouldn't tell people. Just tell them their calories. All that matters is calories. Fuck off. This is another reason why this is a perfect example. And, yes, it's quite niche. But it's a perfect example of someone who doesn't have the option to cook their own food every day need to know what is, you know, what is a protein source, what is, you know, going to keep them satiated, what, like, and and how to eyeball, and that comes with giving examples, like. But I mean, I think it sounds to me like you're doing great, and I, I completely agree with what Emma said. It's that all or nothing mentality all over again. Like, and I used to be like this to a T. Well, I don't get a choice, so fuck it no you know we can still we can still keep some control there and also for mental health like yeah I used to get into such a bad mental state when I just like let go of all control of everything like obviously it's just not healthy um yeah I think that's such a good point giving examples and it often comes from people who have a lot of food awareness they're like maybe personal trainers themselves or have competed and it's you know given them a really poor relationship with food and they're projecting that onto others being like when I stuck to a meal plan it ruined my relationship with food and I felt like I couldn't have carbs or I couldn't eat out with my friends blah 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 but actually for a lot of our clients and like we we are actually I would say and this is a bit of bigging us up a little bit but we're very good at ignoring a lot of the shit that goes on in the industry and just focusing on serving our clients who we actually want to serve. So instead of giving out information that's like, oh, other personal trainers will like this or it's sucking up someone's ass or it's woke at the moment or it's like whatever, some some theme that's going on in the industry, we're still very connected, probably because we're one of the few people that still coach so much. The we're very, very connected few. with what you guys need. And often what people need when they start tracking, especially if they've never done it before, is a little bit of guidance. So if you're like, oh yeah, you need to 100 grams of protein. And you're like, what, like, what is protein basically? Which isn't a stupid question. Like, okay, well, what, like, what does that look like? What does 100 grams of protein look like in a diet? That's why you have the food Bible. That's why, oh, here's loads of options for different protein sources. Because you need that, like, especially initially. It's very easy for someone who's, done it a million times before to be like no just track anything that you want just hit these numbers it gives you more flexibility but you often need a little bit of support to get to that point which is obviously where we hope that people get to and by the end of the eight weeks people are there but initially like you need some support you need some guidance yeah i want everyone to understand the tracking aspect of it and then i want them everyone to create their own meal plan 
Otherwise, you're going to get into you're going to get into a really shitty back and forth with it, and it's just crap. Like it comes oh. from that old. It just comes from like that old Lane Norton way of coaching of being like, I don't fucking care to take your numbers. Like I don't care to take your numbers. Which in one way it was revolutionary at the time. I mean, fucking incredible. Like he was like one of the first um, to to coach like that, and and it's incredible. You know, you have people like you know eating you know crap backstage at bodybuilding shows because they knew what what grams of what they had to hit that day but then at the same time everyone it everyone just bastardized it and then we have we have to find the middle ground and we have to learn from client experience there's a there's a body of coaches out there who just go on the science and it's like okay but then there's the application and how do the clients respond to it and then you've got to find that you've got to find that sweet spot the sweet spot isn't the science and the sweet spot isn't giving a client a meal plan the sweet spot is you know trialing everything and figuring out what the average success story is that's it Um, yeah yeah and it's the difference between research which is done on averages so that's what's going to work for the average person no one actually is the average person coaching is what works for the individual like that's the primary difference there and i think that old school method of if it fits your macros and everyone eating pop tarts and stuff is completely unrealistic for most women it's fine yeah. when you've got like 3000 calories to play with. Sure, blow a couple of hundred on pop tarts and stuff. When you're trying to stick to 1500 calories because you're pretty pretty sedentary, you only you're only 5 foot tall and you don't weigh very much and you've got a little bit of body fat to lose. Like I wouldn't be having pop tarts in there. I get flexibility and everything, but if that means that for the rest of the day you're like eyeballing cucumber, like that isn't <laughs> that's not going to work, is it? your dream diet (laughs) you made such a good point on instagram the other day about food volume like if you give someone 1500 calories or 60 whatever the number is and you're like just eat whatever you want within that and they continue to eat the diet that they were eating before potentially or your standard western diet ridiculously hard to stick to those calories oh it can't happen by lunchtime you're done but this is another thing we talk about like coaches knowing coming from a body of knowledge and also ex-competitors so there are so many ex-competitors out there who will get like a question on Instagram or, you know, or do a post about something like it's like, you know, fuck food volume. Like if you're not satiated on 1500 calories, we need to increase your calories. And it's like, but that's coming from memory of being so lean that you could not think about anything other than food. And and that isn't, I mean, yes, and I said this in the post, yes, it happens with lifestyle clients every now and again. But it is not a common thing like it would be with a physique athlete of you're too lean. We need to increase your calories. And we actually, more importantly, we need to regain some body fat. Obviously, we do the latter by the former. But that's the main issue here. Um, and it's like they're projecting when they were that lean onto your average Joe. And it's like, no, 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 no. These are two very different hormonal responses, rehunger. Well, sorry, one's an hormonal response, rehunger. The other one's likely behavioral. And they're not the same thing. And there's so many competitors, like ex-competitors out there projecting that onto the lifestyle client. And it's like, they are not 12% essential body fat that like you are. Like, so it's not that, that is not the problem. Um, it's just something, yeah, I, 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 I liked that post. I'm glad that you liked it too. It was really good. I think it's such an important point to make. And I think people stop at calories and that's really, really like unhelpful to people. Just giving someone a calorie target and not showing them actually that can be really satiating if you eat these foods and it's going to be ridiculously hard to stick to if you eat these foods but actually somewhere in the middle where you eat mostly these foods that are going to keep you full that are going to give you lots of fruit and veg hit your protein target 
and then have a little bit of what you enjoy like that's kind of the sweet spot that's the balance right yeah like that's the point i made about the burger and the salad you know it's like look we can find a middle ground it'd be like what 150 calories more but who the fuck cares then you're getting the best of both worlds you get the burger with the protein and then you get like the nutrients you get the satiety you get the food volume you know yeah i'm glad you liked it okay it took me fucking forever <laughs> no it was very good go and everyone go and look at it um and we've got um, a couple here <clears throat> yeah <laughs> what are you doing i don't know you know i just do shit like i just whatever <laughs> i'm a fiddler <laughs> right hi ladies i'm loving this process so far i've learned so much and already got a balanced approach to my food and fitness my question is will you scale weight loss i started at 140 pounds and lost three pounds in week one, followed by 1.5 in week two, and then half a pound in both weeks three and four. So far, so good as slow and steady. I mean, I wouldn't say that slow and steady, but here we go. Then this week, I've lost three pounds already. Huh. Um, surely this can't be fat loss. I have been sticking to all my non-negotiables, so deserve fat loss. <laughs> but... Sh- uh, could this be because I have stopped long distance running so my leg muscles aren't as inflamed okay I mean it is fat loss so this is something people get a little bit confused about fat loss does direct not directly show up on the scales but Mm -hmm. like that probably is fat loss and what sounds like it's happened is that maybe during week three and four where you only lost half a pound it was your cycle or you were retaining water for some reason and now that you're not, then you're seeing the fat loss from those weeks on the scale. So it's not that when you lose fat, when you lose weight really quickly overnight, it's not that that isn't fat loss. No, you certainly haven't lost the fat overnight, but it showed up on the scales overnight. So if you're sticking to your calories and your steps, fat loss is quite linear. Weight loss is not linear. And that's yeah. what trips a lot of people up because you might have got to week three and four and been like, Pfft this isn't working anymore. This is why we're always like, when someone comes to us and there's like, oh, I didn't lose any weight this week, so I dropped my calories. We're like, no, <laughs> because you probably have lost fat. If you've stuck to your targets, you've lost fat. We just can't see it on the scales yet because the scales aren't that sensitive a measure to measure like small changes in body fat, which is what we would expect week on week because it's quite a short period of time. So yeah, I wouldn't change anything. That's completely normal, unsurprising looks like it's all going in the right way with a fat loss goal yeah and i don't think it's to do with the running i don't think the inflammation would be the same as like resistance training so i don't think it's through that and i I agree with emma um yeah it happens like that to me i just i don't see anything for weeks at a time and then bang it happens differently for everyone yeah i think especially for women and some people attribute this to the whoosh effect where there's this theory that fat cells fill up with water and then at some point the water just whooshes out of them and that's why you see big scale weight drops i think what's much more likely is that your fat loss on the scales is being masked by hormonal water retention yeah and then it that goes so i think that's more likely an explanation for the whoosh effect and also explains why i tend not to see it in men 
Yeah, you don't really. Weight loss and men, it happens completely differently. And while it's fair to say that you can have a stall and a loss, it's it's far less erratic than it is with women. But the female cycle is is a month a month long. The male cycle is 24 hours. It's solely dependent on the circadian rhythm and then all lifestyle factors outside of it. Um, but no, I agree. I feel like the whoosh effect is a good term because it, it is what happens. But yeah, some of the theories out there as to why, I'm a bit I'm dubious. Yeah. Dubious at best. I think a lot of the time, some of these theories which aren't true are quite helpful to people. Like we'll if you're like, answers. oh, you know, the scales haven't dropped because my fat cells have actually filled up with water and at some point they'll release that water and I'll see the scales drop. That can be quite reassuring if you're like, oh yeah, don't worry about that. Or when personal trainers are like, oh, the reason you've not lost weight is because you're building muscle at the same time realistically if you've got a lot of body fat to lose you're not gonna be able to build muscle at the same rate at which you would lose fat so although yeah. it might, might mask some fat loss it's unlikely again if you have a lot to lose it's unlikely to mask all of that <laughs> and i and i caveat that because actually we had someone in the group put up um uh progress photos from week one and week four and she hasn't lost any weight but looks very different but she's fairly lean already yeah exactly so uh, in her case what does look like has happened is she's lost body fat and built muscle but quite a small amount of both which can happen yeah because she doesn't have much body fat to lose yeah we every single round we do this like oh the scales haven't moved and it's like but you look completely different or it's like the scales have moved but i look exactly the same and it's like what was your starting point we need like this everybody seems saying this is why they they wanted to call my first book like a very specific goal it like four weeks and I was like no absolutely not because it the, the the goal is easy for one person and impossible for the other person and then there's the spectrum who are likely not going to see anything at all in four weeks so like no it's like those stupid plans it's like abs in 12 weeks no fuck off yeah like, who or, are you talking to or even like we'll often get questions like this like how long would it take me to get abs and it's like if you're obese quite a long time if you're already very lean potentially not very long like it completely depends yeah um, it's like uh guys think of it like instant coffee granules the a full-on barista station you know this is going to take two seconds this is going to take a bit longer you know what yeah. kind of coffee are we talking about people <laughs> What a great analogy. Oh, um, it wasn't as good as your cold wood fire one, which was so good. And I was very happy when you put it in a post. Thanks. Um, Bella, my four-year-old, has started school and has had a conversation around healthy and unhealthy foods. My approach to food is that nothing is good or bad, etc. after years of shit conditioning through childhood, diet culture, etc., etc. And she has asked why she can't have fried chips or even baked chips at lunch at school. I've said it's fine to have them, but won't keep you full of energy whilst learning and playing. Any tips on how, or, or good reads on how to manage, I've never, sorry, how to manage the never ending questions and make sure she doesn't start having a negative relationship with food. Thank you, gorgeous gals. What a great question. And so, so important. Great question. So important. And I should probably preface my answer by saying I'm not in the camp of there's no such thing as good or bad food per se, but neither am I in the camp of like calories are all that matter. I'm somewhere in the middle where it's like there is no such thing as a good or bad label of a food. Agreed. Totally agreed. Like we're putting 
we're putting behavior onto food, which is hilarious and just bizarrely inaccurate. But there is such a thing as more nutritious, healthier foods to put in your body to ensure a better quality and longevity of life versus putting nothing but, you know, quote unquote, bad foods in your body. But as long as you're hitting certain numbers, it's fine. I could just don't like that either. Um, I think, you know, this is where and it's really hard to, to teach and it's really hard to get a bite. The, the, the middle spectrum occurs. So you should say, well, we I mean, I mean, it's ridiculous that they won't even have like baked if it's like a health conscious school, which is hilarious. But like they won't even have like baked chips. It's like that's mad to me. That's ridiculous. These are kids. And it's, it's essentially some potato and a bit of fat. What's the problem? Like that makes me mad. Like that makes me like really like ugh, frustrated. Um, I would I would explain to her. I would explain to her. Hmm. Oh, God, I need to think about this. Emma, how would you do it? How would you educate your kid on nutrition? Well, well, you have a nutrition course. <laughs> Just sign uh, her up to EIQ. <laughs> yeah, basically, I would get your four-year-old to sign up to EIQ Nutrition. Um <laughs> And just get her started, really. No, I, th- I think there is a problem with labelling things good or bad because it's giving that moral or morality to yeah. food. Like, as if something... It makes you a bad person if you've eaten that food or a good person if you've eaten another food, which obviously isn't true. And I think that, Chloe's right, there is... I think it's unrealistic or maybe potentially unhelpful to be like, all foods are completely equal. They're not like there's nutritional density to different foods and there's some where you might want to eat more of those and you might want to eat less of these and I think it's okay to call things like a treat or something like that not making it good or bad but being like oh we'd only have you know chocolate as as a treat like we wouldn't have it all the time and actually like on this note I actually think scarcity of some things is quite important and and also massively important to enjoyment like if you eat chocolate and crisps all day it's no longer like an enjoyable thing like it's no longer a treat it's no longer something that you really look forward to like I, a coffee example when in lockdown me and my flatmate went out for one coffee a week like a really nice coffee a week and I enjoyed it so much and now that I have a nice coffee every day like I don't enjoy it half as much and I think an in- enjoyment of things requires some element of scarcity so I think just giving yourself things all the time yeah, won't have that effect. But when it comes to talking to kids about nutrition, do we know any experts on this? Because it's definitely not my area of expertise. Anyone who has children. I mean, do you know who's fantastic on relationship with food in general is Rachel Hobbs and she has kids. Oh, you you know, she must know. But I think just generally, like it sounds like you're doing the right thing, like you don't call foods good or bad. The other thing is like, it's a fine line because you don't want to overthink it yeah and you don't want to put like more pressure on like these are good or like we're going to make sure that you have to eat all your vegetables and blah 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 if you can make it fun like oh did you get your five in a day like what different vegetables did you have today or what different fruit did you have today like I think that kind of thing is important and they're like oh yeah I'm eating this because it makes me big and strong not I'm not eating that because it makes me fat or you know those sort of connotations I, I agree. I, you know, what's so funny is that I was trying to think, how do you educate a kid on nutrition without giving them a complex about food? Because with an adult, it's very simply, you know, at food education. And let's try and simplify it as much as possible. But even the simplest, most layman's explanation of nutrition to an adult, it, you know, they need a minute. Like, it, it, it's information. It's, they have to take it on. 
And for a kid, it's just such a different kettle of fish. And do you know what my brain keeps coming around to? I guess the thing that, that people kind of poo-poo now is the like old school like family meal of the 50s, 60s, 70s, where it was like you eat your meal and then, child, if you would like dessert, then you have dessert. And I think that got really kind of poo-pooed and kind of turned into like good, bad food or like like giving kids complex about food to withhold it from them. And then now in now I'm thinking about it. That's fucking smart, like in terms of behavior. It's basically saying you eat your nutritious food, you make sure that you do eat this and you do eat that. Um, and then we can have the thing that, you know, is a bit, a bit more palatable. I don't think it is giving power to food at all. I actually think it's teaching really good behaviors. But then I remember that in like the 90s, it got turned into you should put everything on the table at the same time and let the kids go for what they want first. And everyone was like, yeah, what a good approach. And again, in hindsight, I'm like, fucking stupid approach. Uh, maybe we should step back a bit here. And maybe the answer lies somewhere in the middle. Again, I don't have kids. I don't know. Um, and I talk to kids <laughs> like they're adults. So I, I clearly am not, not good in this era. Um, <clears throat> I do think that family meals are so, so important. Like I remember yeah. growing up that like that was, I mean, I don't think we ever had like breakfast or lunch particularly together, but dinner always, like always. you would always have your dinner. And yeah, if, if you didn't finish your veg, you wouldn't get any pudding. And I yeah. think that's, that's good as well, because like also you've, like you've said, you've eaten all your nutritious food, which means you're probably going to be more full as well. So maybe you leave half your pudding. And actually, most kids eat quite intuitively because they don't have all these, like they're probably not numbing their emotions with food yet. <laughs> Let's hope. Yeah. They're actually just like, oh, you know what? I really want that massive stack of pancakes. And then they have like one bite and like, yeah, well, I'm bored now. <laughs> yeah, I don't want anyone to... Um... No, that's really true. And I remember my nan used to pick me up from school oh, back in my Manchester days um, every Friday. And every Friday she'd bring me a flake and my brother a Yorkie preempting the no women campaign, which, by the way, is my fucking sexist. I know. Christ, was that that? What were they doing? Whose idea was that? But don't you think that shows how far we've come in the last, like, what, five years? You could yeah. not do that now. But no you get it unless it was like i mean i even then it would just cause a shit storm anyway um and every friday she'd bring us chocolate and it was like a treat and like again like i say i think people now would be like no that would promote and i'm like actually i think that was great it like i said about the coffee like yeah i'm really interested in this actually we should we should maybe get someone on to talk about it yeah someone we could see if we could get rachel on yeah okay any more on the live um I had this conversation with my daughter and explained that some things are better for her than others, but it's fine to have treats as long as she's eating her fruit and veg, which will help yeah. her keep her healthy as well. Yeah, I think that exactly. approach, like, I actually think, you know, we talk about like getting an expert on, I'm sure that would be interesting, but I think in some things like going too far down the rabbit hole is not beneficial. Like if your kids are stressing out about calories and stuff, like didn't they have some kind of campaign or was it like Weight Watchers or something that we're going to do something for kids I can't remember it was something came up in the news like relatively recently and like no kids shouldn't be worrying about calories like no. just get them to eat you know the food that you provide at home is is like what the influence you can have basically and all they'll do if you're really restrictive is as soon as they have any freedom whatsoever go out and buy a load of chocolate like at oh, any yeah. given 
you see it like when you when you when you look at kind of the psychology behind obesity there's so many different factors there's so so many things that that start the ball rolling and then obviously it becomes very behavioral very hormonal as to why the ball keeps rolling but the initial fact is it's so interesting it usually comes from food deprivation not all the time not all the time but it a lot of the time it comes from food deprivation whether it was in, uh, whether it was um what's what I'm looking for implemented upon them or it was a it was a poverty problem, um, and it's really really interesting. So it's the fucking worst thing you can do, yeah, to deprive them. It really is. I like I like that answer though. Like again, not patronising your kid and just saying, look, some things are better for you, some things are not so good for you. We really ideally want a little bit of both. Done. Yeah, balance in it. Okay, um, got a wedding on Saturday, but in my pre-menstrual week, so low on energy and craving carbs. Any tips for trying to maintain positive gains from last week whilst managing my water retention? Okay, so first of all, don't do anything about water retention. It manages itself. There's nothing you can do. Ignore it. Should I go super low carb um, if I drop cows? Currently loving 1600. Thanks. Don't drop your calories. If anything, during this week, we might increase your calories if you needed. Certainly don't think, oh, this week's going to be really hard. Do you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> Make it even harder. No, yeah. that would be the wrong thing to do. So don't drop your calories. Don't go massively low carb, especially if you've just said, I'm craving carbs. <laughs> Should I go low carb? No. <laughs> no. Enjoy some carbs, but not too much. And And remember as well, like this is always just like a nice thing to remember that I can't remember the exact number. I think it's 10 to 18%, but your basal metabolic rate will increase by about 10 to 18% for a couple of days pre-menstrual, which means that you're probably going to burn 100 to 200 calories for a couple of days to a week before your cycle. And you'll notice that because most people feel that like a little bit hotter generally. Um, so yeah. A little bit. I get full on, full on hot. Is it flushes or flashes? <laughs> I, do you know what? I think it's flushes, right? But it's flushes. in America, like all of the American stuff. So whenever I read about menopause, it's flashes. But I'm like, that makes no sense. I get that it's like a hot, like it's a flash. But flushing is an actual thing. Like you're flushed. And that's what it feels like. Yeah. I was trying to explain it to James this morning. I was like, it's like a fire under your skin. And it like flushes out of you and you're like like I know when I'm coming on because I'll be somewhere always wildly inappropriate like an event and the backs of my knees will start sweating my hairline will start sweating and I'm like and I'm like I know I've got at at best 24 hours I'm like I must go (laughs) must go find tampons (laughs) you know I'm I'm that girl that like barges into the toilet and is like does anyone have a tampon (laughs) oh um I think the way that you could describe it to men is maybe like if anything's ridiculously embarrassing it's kind of similar to that not quite but kind of similar you know when you get like really hot and you're like you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) that kind of response really embarrassing thing that happened to you what what has been yeah Oh, I mean, many, many things. I actually don't find things that embarrassing because I'm just quite an embarrassing person generally. So just kind of roll with it. I was at Penny Hill with um with James yesterday, and he was like, we were sat there having um tea with Eddie Jones, who's the England coach. And this girl came over and was like, I'm so sorry to interrupt. And for some reason, she looked at James, which 
I mean, I mean, I don't even know. But she, she looked at it. She was like, I'm so sorry to interrupt. Is that okay if I have a photo? Maybe she thought James is any security. And James is like, yeah, sure. And so I was like, do you want me to take it or do you want to take it as a selfie? She went, oh, no, I meant can you take a photo with me and Eddie Jones? And James is like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. It's fine. I sat there like, take a photo. And she walked off and he looked at me and he was like, the panic in his eyes. I was like, forget it. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. As soon as he left, James was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, well, I'm glad that you relived that on the podcast for him. It was really funny. Uh, and he always does that where he like people will wave. And I think because he thinks they're waving at him, he'll like wave back. And it's like, it's, like it happens all the time. So <laughs> yeah, happy. but I'll do that. Just I think partly because I, I don't think my eyesight's that good. If anyone looks like they know me, I'm just like, hey. <laughs> you said that. Do you remember you said that Pete, somebody saw you who you didn't want to see you walking down the road and you were laughing? Yeah. And you were like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I was like, no, that's a win. Like you're just walking down the road and having a right old cackle. Yeah, to myself on my own. <laughs> yeah, but it's a good thing. That shows that you're winning at life, babe. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, we are really going off on one we this time. We've on many fun. tangents. Okay. Um, have we got anything else? Uh, no. I mean, we didn't give any actionable advice to the wedding thing. So basically, she's got a wedding coming up on Saturday. She's pre-menstrual. I think I get the context now. I assuming she wants to save some calories for the wedding on the weekend, but she's already low on energy. So what I would do is stick to 1600 and think about the fact that you're probably burning a couple of extra hundred calories this week anyway, and just allow yourself a couple of hundred extra on the weekend. I couldn't agree more. I would say have a refeed weekend if it's like a full weekend um, thing and just, yeah, come up to, come up 10% in calories to allow yourself a little bit more food freedom. Um, remember that you're still, if you want to, if you want to still be tracking and adhering to the diet, remember that that is what you're fucking doing and you've got some more room. Certainly don't deprive yourself before you get there. If you're already in like a woe is me mindset with food because of your cycle, don't do that. Um, yeah, I agree with Emma. Sweet. Okay. Okay. Do you remember a couple lives ago I said, how do you pronounce this name? C-S-I-L-L-A. Is it Scylla? And you're like, yeah. And I was like, okay. It's not. So just, some, just some context. Not, just some context. She says, hi, ladies. Chloe, you almost got my name right. No one ever gets it right. It's pronounced like chinchilla, brackets, chilla. I love that. Oh, I thought she was going to say something completely different. Like, it's pronounced Emma. <laughs> Slightly chilla. different spelling. It's pronounced Natalie. (laughs) (laughs) That happens with some Celtic names. We've done this before. Off we go again. Okay. I have a question regarding protein. I have noticed that you talk a lot about the quality of different, uh, the quality of protein and the different sources that it comes from. When I make a big stir fry, Emma's fave, or salad with many ingredients, I get lots of protein from the veggies and I end up only needing like half a chicken breast or even less to meet my target for that meal. Can this be right? And is this fine? Emma? Uh, I would probably ignore the protein in like vegetables. I don't think you're going to be getting very much protein from stir fry veg, unfortunately. Like if you were, I'd be here for it. But unfortunately, I just don't think that's going to happen. So I would still think, okay, my main source of protein here in this meal is chicken. 
I want to get in at least 20 grams of protein from this chicken. Let's make sure that I'm having that much from the chicken would be my thoughts. Yeah. So in terms of combined protein, which is protein that you get from different combined plant-based sources, like throughout the course of the day, and you're talking everything from like whole grains to vegetables to nuts and stuff. It is fair to say that as they add up and accumulate throughout the course of the day, by the end of the day, they are likely contributing in a complete way to your total daily intake. But in terms of these sources of protein on their own, they're not they're not what we would call essential amino acids. They're not complete proteins, as in they don't have the amino acid in them that we really want to get from your diet um, that has that has you know the benefits that it has. So I agree with Emma. You get the 20 grams of chicken from the from the 20 grams of protein from the chicken specifically, and any accumulative protein then throughout the course of the day that's being combined will I'm happy for you to contribute to your total daily count. Um, but yeah, I, I I would much rather you guys were getting, you know, essential amino acids rather than just amino acids. Agreed. Grizzled. Okay, Donna Grizzled. Thompson. Hi, ladies. I need your help. <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like the COVID infliction has really helped with the drama. <laughs> yeah, maybe you could start reading questions with a bit more drama, actually. Yeah. Or, or with accents. That word was affliction, not infliction. I don't want to hear about it. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. I am now 57 kgs, five foot eight. Ooh, light. Doing five of Chloe's weighted workouts a week. And anything from 15 to 20 K steps a day. Wow. I'm hitting my calorie target of 1,600 calories. Protein is anything from 115 to 150 a day. Wow. Look at you, Donna. I'm thinking I need to start coming up to maintenance now, but I don't know where to start without gaining any weight. Ah, as I feel I still need to lose some fat, especially my stomach and my bingo wings. Thank you. Um, okay, so first of all, if you, if you still have fat to lose, then we wouldn't bring you up to maintenance. Um, However, if you did want to come up to maintenance, then typically what we would do is we would add kind of 10% on, which honestly, for you, Donna, I'd start you on 1800 and then just go from there. Um, and obviously, you have the option to decrease your steps because 15 to 20K steps is absolutely high expenditure and absolutely appropriate for a fat loss goal. But yeah, you can bring them down if you would like. Now, regaining any weight, you are going to gain weight if you eat more food because guess what? Food weighs. Uh, not to mention you're likely going to get if you know if you're not cutting out carbs which I, I don't think you are oh god it's the window cleaner <laughs> it's like <gasps> um, 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 add to that you're talking about glycogen storage in the muscle, muscle which is going to pull on water your weight is going to go up it's not body fat so if and when that happens do not panic please um, but yeah those are my thoughts Emma yeah nothing to add really i think that it's important to have those expectations of what's going to happen when you eat more you, the weight will slightly go up that doesn't mean that you put on more body fat and some people freak out about that so that's important uh, and it doesn't mean that you can't still like body recompose to an extent like tone your arms and your stomach a little bit while you're lifting heavy at maintenance fueling your workouts properly so i think coming up to maintenance is an excellent idea and just follow what chloe said Emma, you should write a plan called Tone Your Arms and Stomach. <laughs> Just throw it out there and see what happens. Yeah. Tone your bingo wings no, and stomach. 
no one would fucking say anything, I don't think. They'd be like, well, if Emma's saying it, and then all of a sudden, tone, tone your bingo wins and come back into fashion. Well, I put, um, did you see the video I put up of me doing mountain climbers on the cross trainer? Mountain climbers on the cross trainer? No, no but I can, Im- I can imagine it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just wanted to see how many people would do it. <laughs> like, I want to see if other people... I mean, to be fair, freaking good core workout, but also you look a bit strange doing it. Just wanted to see totally unnecessary but like that's part of the fun of the gym I feel like it's like I remember back when I started I just used to play around on everything and have fun fun with it and like now when I see people doing weird or stupid shit I'm like oh whatever have fun yeah <laughs> it's a playground spices it up a little bit Andy's got a real bee in his bonnet about stuff like that yeah he does he really like, what's does what's the fucking point I'm like relax yeah like <laughs> let man live Andy <laughs> He was so grumpy. I love him. I absolutely love him. His grump is my fave. Um, okay, anything on the live? Otherwise, I think we should do the last one. Let's do the last one. Okay. Tracy Gibson. Hey, ladies. I'm getting a little discomfort in my lower back after leg days. Brackets gym. I'm thinking it's likely a combo of both poorly developed core and not enough brace during the heavier sets. Is there any core or back work I can do on the daily to help with this? Thank you in advance. And also thank you for creating the EC method. I didn't quite know how much I needed you guys in my corner until I joined. Oh, do you know what? I love that. I love like feeling like you've got us in your corner and the whole group. I think that aside from like the practical coaching, that's the best thing about this and how much benefit you get just from feeling like people have your back and people want the best for you and we're going to go out our way to try and support you to get the best results possible. That like, confidence in yourself, it's just like so, so important, I think. Agreed. Um, I'm going to let you take that question because it's about your, she's in the gym and it's your workouts. So there's already core work in there. I'd say anything that can help your back. Um, I would quite like to see if you could, a video of you squatting. It was squats, wasn't it? That was hurting her back. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably more to do with technique than necessarily a weak core. So it would be good to see a video of you doing some squats, if possible. It will. Okay, we're done for this for now. Anything left to splodge up? No. Okay, love you guys. Okay, love you. Bye.